0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit.
1: Well, glory. Amen. Good to see that. now. How many are absolutely happy with your life? Are you? How many enjoying your life that you have that God's given you? Isn't it great? It's amazing how wonderful things that God does for you and does with you in your life. It's just like you just go, as the Bible says, from glory to glory, and you keep increasing in the things of God, and God blesses you in every single way. No matter what's going on outside in the world out there, It doesn't matter. God takes care of us, and he's always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. It's great to live with him. It's great to walk with him and talk to him, to have him to be your very best friend in life. Not another, but the Lord Jesus Christ, your very best friend. He is a good friend. He is a friend that sits close to the brother, the Bible tells us, and he'll always be with you. How many love Jesus? Say, I love him. Let me hear you a little bit louder. Say, I love Jesus. One more time, I love Jesus. Amen, amen. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. God is good to us. Oh, my, 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 my. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your anointing and your spirit. We're going to get into the Word of God today in just a few minutes. But before we do, let's make our confession. As we go before the Lord, everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. That sounds good. That sounds good. Let's get into the Word this morning Uh, just for a few minutes. I'm going to share a little bit more than I talked about with you last week. I sort of want to real quickly bring us up to speed. Remember, go there if you're not there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Make sure you turn in your Bible. Follow me along this morning as we do uh, or in your tablet, wherever you're at. Uh, Just get there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. If I say anything's not in the Word of God, forget it. Never think about it again. If I say anything contrary to the Word of God, forget that too. All of those things that are of the Word of of God, those things that will bring life to us and bring faith and fill our hearts and life. Pray for those who are not in the service with us today, and uh, uh, Toby and uh, Helen. Pray for them still on quarantine uh, during this time, and so uh, pray God blesses them and ministers them in the way of uh, breathing and everything else that they have to do as they sort of work their way through this COVID kind of thing. And also pray for Miss Shirley. If I, you know, Miss Shirley is always here, and so being praying for her today, and God's blessing will be upon her. Anyone else in our congregation that have needs in their life, continue to lift them up, continue to pray for them, and. To leave God to be faithful to them. And God is a faithful God. He's a very faithful God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. And so, what a good God we serve. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, To everything there is a season, and there is a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die. I led off with that as a text, as we looked at Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 as well, on the meaning of salvation. But I led off with that as a text last week as we begin to share uh, about God's plan of salvation and what God is doing in the earth today and wants to do for mankind. But notice, every one of us, how many have been born? Say amen if you have. How I many know one day you're going to die? Say amen. You will. Somewhere between born and death, all of us are here today. We've all been born. None of us have died yet. Don't die in the service today. None of us have died yet. We've all been born. And so right now, we're in this intermediate period, this living period in between being born and dying. But one day, we will. If the Lord tarries His coming, one day, we will. He may come back and rapture us, and we don't have to. But the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die. Only one time. You only have one appointment with death. You don't get two appointments. One appointment wants to die. And then after this is the judgment. That's Hebrews nine twenty-seven. Romans 14, 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. Every one of us shall stand before God and give account of our lives. It's called the judgment. The judge is God Almighty himself. And we are the people who are judged of him. And so for everything we've done in this life, all the things that we've done in this life uh, from the time that we were born, Uh, is recorded, there is a record, the books are open, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, and we are judged based on those things that we have done in this life. Now, there are two outcomes to that judgment. We talked about that last week. In Revelation 21, verse 8, the Bible tells us for the sinner, the but fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, idolaters, all liars have their part in the lake of fire, which burn with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There are three deaths mentioned in Scripture. The first death is when your spirit and soul leaves your body. To be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. You can leave this body and, and, and so as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead, James tells us, two different places, chapter 17 and 22. And so, in other words, whenever our spirit and soul man leaves this body, that's called physical death. That, that's mostly what uh, the world knows about is that thing called physical death. They, they don't know about uh, other things in life. They are so wrapped up in what the five senses are that they can see and that they can feel and they can touch and hear and taste. That, that's about uh, all they know. I, I read a little something earlier this week. It was about a magician who was named uh, James Randy. R A R A N D I. James Randi. You ever heard of James Randi? James Randi was a musician, uh, many many not musician, but a magician, many many years ago. And uh, when he started out, he was clowning and other things like that, and entertaining. And uh, then he began to look at some of the other magicians that were out there, and uh, they began to portray things as if it was supernatural. And James Randi went against the supernatural, and uh, he didn't believe in the supernatural. He was a person of reason and a person of logic, he would say. And so if he couldn't touch it, if he couldn't taste it, if he couldn't feel it, if he couldn't see it, if he couldn't hear it, it wasn't there, and it did not exist. And so he spent a lifetime debunking. Debunking everyone that would come out and say, I'm using ESP to move this object. Or I'm using some senses of my, my body to do it. Or I have this magical incantation that does it. Anything supernatural that a magician would come out, he would try to debunk the magicians. He tried to do that with everything. And he spent a lifetime of saying, there is only the sense revelation There's only what we see by the five senses. That's it. There's nothing else no more. You do not have a spirit or soul in your body. You don't have anything that I can't see, touch, taste, feel, those things. That's that's it. And and he lived his life that way for a long time. And then, imagine this. About 20 years before he died, uh, and, and and he died just a few years ago, about 20 years before he died, he came out gay and said that actually the man... James Randy, who has now come out gay, that he is not the man that all you think he is. And what he did was basically this. He believed the lie of the devil. And after spending his whole life trying to debunk that, that he couldn't see, taste, feel, all that, he succumbed to the lie of the devil because everything you looked at, James Randy said he was a man. But in that one area of his life, he left his five senses and went the way of the enemy and went the way of the devil and began to believe the lie. There's a lot of people believe that lie today. There's I read just a couple days ago, the first, I think the first, if I get it wrong, the last name is Thomas, first name Lisa, but uh, <laughs> it reminded me of the song, I'm not Lisa, because she's not. But anyway well, he's not. But Lisa Thomas, who was swimming and uh, swimming in the uh, Ivy League schools and just wiped out all all the other women in, in, in the event in the last week. I mean, wiped them out to the point that in finishing the swim, got to the end of the pool, stopped and stood there and looked around waiting on the rest of the people to catch up. Now, the thing is, is, is Lisa is not Lisa at all. Lisa Thomas is a man. And the crazy people in charge of the sporting events said the man could compete against the woman where the man has this upper body muscular strength that, that most women do not have. And yet, they went to that arena and saw that and allowed him to compete. As a, let, let me tell you something, the world is all messed up. The world has absolutely gone crazy. I say it in South Carolina, the world has just gone bat crazy. I mean, they are just nuts out there. And so you've got to have a standard of belief that we will live, we will die according to what Scripture says, not what the world says. Because the world doesn't have a clue on what is going on. Whether it's someone who lived their life trying to debunk anything that wasn't of of flesh yet succumbed to the devil's lie in the latter part of their life or someone saying there's something that they obviously are not. You can't trust this world. You can't allow the world to dictate to you what your eternal destiny is going to be. You are too valuable, you are too important to listen to the lies because you get this thing wrong and you've messed up for all eternity. Don't get your soul's destiny wrong. And the Bible clearly tells us in Revelation 21 verse 8 that these folks do not make it into heaven. They're confined, sent to hell. Hell's later cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. And so there is another group, though. And the Bible tells us this that, as I mentioned, when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord if we are children of God. Well, we don't go to that place called hell. We go to that place where God is and we live with, rule, and reign with Him forever and ever and ever. A lot goes into that, but that's a nutshell what takes place. Jesus taught us this. Listen to what Jesus said. In John three thirty six. he said, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. The person who is right now, it's an active verb, the person who is right now believing on God, he has everlasting life. But he that believes not shall not see life, but the wrath of God. Jesus taught us there are two sides of this thing. I know it's very popular today to turn on the television. And I enjoy positive messages. I listen to a lot of them. I really do. I listen to a lot of motivation. I listen to a lot of positive ministry. I love it. I live on it. I care for I do. But it's not the whole story. There is this other side to the equation. There's this other place. There's this other part of the gospel. And Jesus preached both parts. Believe on the Son, you have everlasting life. If you don't believe on the Son, the wrath of God is against you. The anger of Almighty God is against you. Was it Jonathan Edwards that shook this nation many years ago when he preached about sinners in the hands of an angry God? Imagine that. How many, how many CD series or downloads would somebody uh, do today? How many books would that sell sinners in the hands of an angry God today? Well, you know what? There's just as many sinners in the hands of an angry God today as there were back in the 80s when Jonathan Edwards preached about that. Because God is not happy about the sins of America or the sins of any of the people in America. Somebody say amen. He's not not pleased with it. and it's not that he just not pleased with it. He's going to deal with it one day. His wrath, his wrath comes on it. In Jesus name. All right. In John 5:29, Jesus said it like this, he said they shall come forth that have done good under the resurrection of life. The do gooders, resurrection of life. They would have done evil, the do evilers, they come to the resurrection of damnation. So there are two two directions we're headed for. Life or damnation. Look at Titus chapter 2. We didn't cover this last week. I want to bring it up to speed right here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Okay, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. So then, if I'm going to live, I am, and I'm going to die, and I will, if Christ doesn't come back. And if after that death, I'm going to be judged, and I will, by God Almighty, not by some television news network or uh, some latest philosopher or debater of the day, But by God Almighty Himself, I will be judged. And based on how I'm judged, if I'm found to be sinner or if I'm found to be righteous, based on that judgment, that determines where I spend eternity, either in heaven or in hell. I want to go to heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen. I don't want to go to the other place. Well, this being the case, think about it, what happened. Back in the Garden of Eden, when... Man and woman were there, Adam and Eve. God had given them a law. We'll talk about that later on. Gave them a law. They broke that law. They rebelled against God. And they lost the very life of God in the paradise. They were kicked out of the paradise uh, that God had given for them. And God's best. And from that day that Adam and Eve sinned or committed high treason against God Almighty, rebelled against the kingdom of God. From that day all the way up to the cross, men and women were bound in their sins. They were under the authority and the power of the devil. The world was under the scope and the authority that the devil has in the earth. And he would lead them the way you want them to go. Most of them would go. Not all. Some rejected. But most of them would follow the ways of the enemy. And they began following the devil going the direction that he is going. That started. God loved us so much... That he said, I don't want man and woman to go to hell. I don't want them to spend an eternal destiny, lost without God, worlds without end, continually never stopping, never ceasing, in torments of fire. I don't want that. But if they keep following the devil, that's where they're going. That's what's going to take place. That's what's going to happen for them. And so, what God does is He comes across with a plan, the plan of salvation. Here's how we're going to get man out of that awful future that he is headed for. Look what the Bible says in the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, For the grace, the unmerited favor of God, the grace of God that brings salvation, the only place you will get salvation is from God. The devil won't deliver you from the hell that he's going to and wants to take you to. He may lie to you and say that he will. He may tell you that you may live your life now and enjoy all the sinfulness of this world and just live it up and that's the way for you to live. But he will never be able to offer you salvation. He'll never be able to set you free from the doom that you are headed for if you are a sinner. He cannot. There there was no one on planet earth could do that, much less the devil. Jesus was able to do it because he was the God-man. He was born of God the Father, born of a virgin, and he brought sinless blood into this world that could rightly, legally atone for the sins of mankind. Nobody else could do it. Not another man or woman on planet earth. And the the devil will never, ever bring you salvation. Notice, the salvation of God appeared by the grace of God. You didn't deserve it. Unmerited favor. And it appeared to all men. Right now, all men may be saved. Everybody. I mean, I, I, I see signs a lot of different places right now. There's a lot of people asking people to come to work. Can't get people to come to work. I don't, I don't know what, what the deal is, but uh, can't get people to come to work. We're hiring, and we're giving sign-up bonuses. I never heard that you got, you got know, these kind of sign-up bonuses for the jobs that they're wanting people to work for. I mean, it's incredible. But anybody, I guess, is saying, come on, we need somebody to work. But not everybody does. Very few do. Very, very few do even show up to, to you know, lay claim to that job. And so just because salvation has appeared doesn't mean everybody's got it. If you think everybody's got it, what you are is a universalist. You believe that somehow in the end, God will just save everybody. It's amazing how people believe certain things. Oh, I believe there's a heaven, all right, they will tell us. Sure, God is a God of love, and he loves us all, and there's a heaven. But I don't believe there's a hell. No, not the God I serve. I can't believe that he would create a hell. Well, whether you can believe it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you understand it or not, there is a hell, and the Bible teaches us that there is. I mean, in in fact, let let me just break off right there just a minute. i got to get you there. Let me show you something. And, oh, wow, there's several places. Do you know who taught more about hell than anybody else in the Bible? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ taught more about hell than anybody else all about. Real quickly, I'm not expecting to turn all these. Matthew 5.22, Jesus said this, you fool shall be guilty enough to go into hell of fire. In Matthew 5.29, he says, better for you that one part of your body perish than your whole body be thrown into hell. Jesus' words, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him, God, who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 18, 9, it's better that you enter into life with one eye and having two eyes be cast into hell fire. You're talking about lust there and having your eyes looking where you ought not be looking and Jesus says, you, you don't need to be doing that, and that's sinful. And it'd be better for you that you didn't have any eyes at all, or at least not have one to cover that eye. That's what it takes than for you to go to hell and have both eyes and live for all eternity. There's some things on this earth you're going to have to sacrifice. Some things on this earth you're going to have to say no to. Or else there's something waiting. That's what he talked about. Scripture tells us in Matthew 23, verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel abroad on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. You're children of hell. They're living their life right now. Just with all the hell and ungodliness and wickedness they can possibly live it. People have been going absolutely nuts, deceived by the devil like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they infiltrated this world, and then they went from the world, and now they're trying to infiltrate the church and fill up the church with a bunch of ungodly sinners. It is just unreal. Unreal. Oh, my. You know, I'm just very, very careful. I don't want to mention any names and kind of stuff like that. but But it is ungodly and unbelievable that some church is sponsoring a Bible study in a beer joint in Lawrence. And saying everybody can come drink beer while you study the Bible. No matter, oh my goodness. What kind of church would sponsor something like that? Not one that I see in the Bible. Yet we got one in Lawrence that's sponsoring it. I may put it on the front page of the Lawrence Advertiser? Tell everybody, come on down. That, that is ungodly. How many knows that Christians, they are Christ-like? Say amen. The Bible said in the book of, uh, book of Acts that they were first called Christians at Antioch. They looked at them and said, these people act just like Jesus. So we'll call them Christian, Christ-like. And we are Christian. We don't do the things that the world does. We don't live like the world does. We don't hate like the world hates. We don't lie like they do. We don't cheat like We don't do the things the world does. Christians live a life of righteousness. Somebody say amen. All this of the devil stuff is exactly what it is. It's of the devil. Jesus went on. He said this. He said, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? You got, you got people out there and they're living like the devil. How are they going to escape hell? Only through Jesus. And if they don't make the trip to the cross, they ain't escaping. My, my, my. Jesus said, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Don't go to hell. He said, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Don't go to hell. And he said, if your eye causes you to stumble, cast it out. Better not to have eyes than to go to hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. You see, you make an eternal choice, a choice that lasts a lifetime, a world of lifetimes for you that is irrevocable, that once right now, right now, you can change your mind. You can go to heaven or hell right now if you want to. It's your choice. But at the point of death, at the point you leave your physical body and stand before God in judgment, you don't at that time get to say, hey, let me make a choice now. No, your choice has already been made. And the choice that you make now in this life has an eternal destiny that's connected to it. Jesus went on again and again in Luke 12, verse 4. He said, I warn you him to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed his authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. It's God that has that authority. What did Jesus say in the book of Revelation? He said, I have the keys of death and of hell. Has now authority over it. Hell... In the Old Testament, a little bit different kind of thing going on where, where Satan was the sort of in, in charge of that underworld as it went. But not anymore. Jesus has delivered us from hell, and we don't have to go there. Not a one of us has to go. But if we follow the devil, we will go. No, no ins, outs, buts about it. That's where this world is headed. Now, go back to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. What, what, what does this grace of God teach us to do? It teaches, verse 12, that we deny ungodliness. Well, we, we don't do that. Like I heard a, a man say many, many years ago, started working for him at a place here in Lawrence, and uh, I knew him at church, and I got there, and he told me. He said, you know what? He said, now, I want you to know something. Sometimes I let a little byword slip out of my mouth. He said, but don't judge me by that. Nah, I, you know, I just got saved and knew Jesus, and... I didn't know what what world he's talking about. I later learned what his bywords were. There were some of those filthy words you ever heard in your life come out of his mouth. Well, the Bible teaches we deny ungodliness. Well, we we don't talk like that. Christians don't have a mouth that is rotten and a ma- When people say things like this, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't say this in mixed company. If you shouldn't say it in mixed uh, mixed company, you shouldn't say it in any company. I mean, well, we're not just playing a game around this thing. we straightened up. We're living right. We're walking in righteousness with God. We deny ungodliness. We deny worldly lust. won't let the world suck us in or draw us in all the sin that it wants. So we deny it. We live soberly, righteously, and godly. What does it say? In this present world. Some people say sometimes, well, when I get to heaven, I guess God's going to perfect me. No, you get perfect right now. You get perfected right now, and you better get perfected. Jesus said, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. You better get perfected right now, or you ain't going to heaven. Yeah, if you're waiting to get to heaven to get everything straightened out, no, that's not how it works. Everything got straightened out at the cross of Christ. And Jesus straightened out everything at the cross of life. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say amen. And so that blood, that cleansing effect of the blood cleanses us and sets us free of all of our sins we don't keep on committing them we don't keep on lying cheating stealing acting like the devil looked just like him and they say bless god one day we'll go to heaven and god clean me up no he cleaned you up at the cross what more is he gonna clean you up with what has he got in heaven that he didn't have at the cross is there something more than the blood that'll clean you up when you get to heaven is there something more than the power of the holy ghost that'll clean you up when you get to heaven is there something more than God's plan of salvation that he gave us that he's planning on doing something extra for us in heaven? Absolutely not. Get real with the situation that salvation truly changes you from the inside out, and it changes you into a new creation of God Almighty. How many's been saved? Say amen. 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 Look at verse 13. We look for the blessed hope, the rapture of the church, and the glorious appearing, the second coming of Christ, seven years apart, and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. I've been purchased, you've been purchased, bought back from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people who are zealous of good works. I want to do the right thing. Not only want to do it, I got a zeal to do it. I, I, I'm just eat up with doing the right thing. I, you know, it's, it's not a matter of me saying something to you that might you know, get you angry or and through my fault or something like that. Uh, Certainly, I would owe you an apology if I did something like that and shouldn't speak to you in a way that that done something that offended you, uh, biblically biblically, of course, that offended you. But more than that, more than that, I need to look at my own heart and life. And, Leon, why do you want to treat other people like this? Why do you want to speak to them like this? Why do you want to do something that would hurt and offend and wound and bruise? Something's going on here. Get it out of me. Get it out. In Jesus' name, I want to walk on the inside. I'll be zealous of doing the right thing because of you. Sure, I want to bless you, but also because of me. I have integrity before God that I want to live righteously for him and do the right thing before God. How many wants you to do the right thing? Say amen if you do. Well, you're zealous of good works. I'm following after zealous of good works. Somebody said, "Well, can you do this and still get to heaven? Can you commit this little sin? Can you do this? Can you do?" This? It's not a matter of that. I'm not trying to find out how evil I can be and still get in heaven. <laughs> that's not what it is. No, I'm looking to see how righteous I can be, how much I can walk just like Jesus, how much people are going to think I look like him, talk like him, and act like him. That's that's where we're headed. That's the place. We're zealous of good works. And he said this verse 15. These things speak. Sometimes you speak them. These things exhort, encourage, inspire. And then sometimes you rebuke. Everybody say rebuke. You know what? Everything I ever said or done in this life hadn't always been right. You either. Everything you have said or done in this life haven't always been right. And if I'm wrong, I need to be told I'm wrong. Sometimes I need to be flat out rebuked. You're not just wrong. You're bad wrong, Leon. You have missed it. You've missed it. You've missed it. You are wrong, wrong, wrong. Not like the world said, well, that's your opinion. Well, that's how you feel about it. Well, I'm going to be tolerant of you." you. You shouldn't be tolerant of somebody that's falsely believing that they're going to heaven when they're on their way to hell. It'll cost them their life. It'll cost them all eternity. You have to tell the truth about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. God to tell the truth. All right. Now, look with me. Luke chapter 19. When Jesus came to this earth, he was all about salvation. That's what he did. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. He come, and that was his mission. That was his goal. I understand that in the church, there are a lot of directions and things we can do in the church that will bless us and, uh, or are needed uh, for the people of God. Uh, for, for example, I, I mean, you know, I, I think we are to have good families and husbands and wives need to know how to treat each other and how to raise their children. And so, you know, there needs to be some, some family teaching and ministry from the Word of God uh, about how to treat your spouse and how to love one another and uh, that kind of thing. Fam- absolutely. There's a lot of things. What about finances? You need to know about finances, on, on how to handle your money so that you don't live a life broke all the time and that you live a life of blessing and, and you have good, wise stewardship from the Word of God that you handle your money properly, that you give and share and bless and make proper investments, do right kind of savings and provide for your family, all those kind of things. Those are good, and we're going to teach on some of those too. But you know what? There's not a topic in the church that ever should be avoided and should never be not taught about, like salvation. There, a lot of churches just seem like they're scared. They're scared of it. Scared of it. They're scared of telling someone the absolute truth and just laying it out, just like it is. That's the truth, and you know, scared to be mentioned they're scared to get around it. I mean, you're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. Okay, we're just all okay. Is what they tell us. But that is not the case. This world is messed up. This world is full of sin and needs to be told that they need to flee from all unrighteousness. And if they don't, they're on their way to a devil's hell. Is there an amen in the house? Say it if I hear it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Look what Jesus did. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Scripture says in Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Notice what he didn't say. For the Son of Man has come to do a marriage counseling session. Ain't nothing wrong with them. If you need counseling in the marriage, you need to get it. But that's not what he said. He, he, he didn't say in here that the Son of Man has come to teach you how to get rid of baggage that you don't be carrying around. That's okay, too. Get rid of the baggage that you don't be carrying around. But that's not why he came. The Son of Man has come and to seek and to save that which is lost. There are some people that are on their way to hell, the definition of lost. There are people on their way to hell that they need to be saved. We've got to seek them out. If we don't, if we don't, they'll spend all eternity separated from God, never able to escape it, all eternity, in the fires of hell forevermore. We've got to get them. We've got to seek them out. We've got to save them. Get them right with God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said it like this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. So why did Jesus come? Teach us how to live? Well, yeah, he did. He teached me how to live this life that I enjoy, that I mention all the time. He came and do a lot of things for us. But the chief reason he came was to save sinners. And everything in this church ought to have that as its number one priority. You say, I want this blessing, I want this blessing. Fine, we all do. We're gonna help you get it. We all gonna get the blessing. But the most blessing you would ever want is to see somebody come to the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. And no greater blessing. Let me tell you something. God's blessed me with tons of money and all kinds of other stuff in my life. But money don't mean nothing compared to somebody being saved. Somebody's salvation is worth all the money in this world. Somebody say, Amen. It is. Somebody's salvation is worth a few extra minutes on Sunday morning if we have to stay here. Somebody say Amen. It's worth anything, it's worth everything. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing that you can buy or purchase that were any greater value than somebody making a decision that affects them from all eternity. Nothing. Nothing is more important. There's Nothing you can do in life. There's no decision you can make rather than choosing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's not another decision that you can make that's important. It's important that you scope out your life and plan how you handle your finances and create a budget for your home and your family and handle your money. That's important, very important, very important. But it don't hold a candle to being saved. It doesn't hold a candle to having eternal salvation from God Almighty. Not one. And the Bible tells us that's what Jesus came here to do, to get men saved, to get the lost, so they're on their way to a devil's hell, to get them turned around and now pointed toward glory rather than the hell that they were going toward. All right, look in, in Mark chapter 1. Let me show you something. Mark chapter 1. Jesus, let, let's verify this out. Is this true what Paul said and what Jesus said? Well, absolutely it is. Absolutely. The Bible said the math of two or three witnesses, the thing is established. I've read two verses. But let's look at a few things in Jesus' life. When he first started his ministry... And Jesus goes out preaching, he sees some disciples, and not yet disciples, who are out there, and they are are fishermen. Jesus comes up to them, and the first thing he said, Mark chapter one, the first chapter of the book of Mark, Mark chapter one, verse seventeen, Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. I believe it was Andrew and Peter that he said that to. Come after me. I see you're fishing now for fish. That's okay. That's a good business you guys got. You guys are making a lot of money doing that, and that's fine. you got to feed your families. That's great. But if you'll follow me, what we're going to do, we're not going to be fishing for fish. We're going to be fishing for men, fishing for the souls of men, going out, casting the net out for souls of men to be caught in that net and swept up in that net into the salvation of Almighty God. That's what we're doing. And that's what Jesus started his ministry. Chapter 1, chapter 1, there's not a chapter before it. Chapter 1 in the book of Mark, he says that. If if we go on to Mark chapter 16, and if you look at the end of the same book, I could go to other places, but let me get there. In, In Mark chapter 16, at the last chapter of Mark, if you can see my Bible, you can see it's all white under there, because there ain't no more. That's the end of the book. And right up above it, just a few few verses up, on the last chapter of the book of Mark, the Bible says this, go into all the world, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. First thing he said is let's do some fishing for men. The last thing he says is preach this gospel to every creature. Preach it to every creature. How come? Why should we preach it to every creature? Because there are some consequences to someone hearing the gospel that are very drastic and powerful in their lives. And he said, verse 16, the person that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he believes not is going to be damned. So preach this gospel to every single person. Think about it. Today, we'll leave this church here in a few hours. And when we leave and go back to our homes or our places or business or see somebody, maybe go out and eat or go do something, this, that, and the other, you'll see somebody. And every person you see will have one thing in common. They all will have an eternal destiny. Every single person that you see today when you leave this house, every single one of them, every person you're looking at right now in these pews, every single one of us, all have one thing in common. We all have an eternal destiny. We are on our way to heaven or we are on our way to hell. It might be important to to, to bless people and to share with people and, and to talk with people and to love on people. All those things are important. and Really, all that's part of sharing the gospel for sure. But the most important thing is, is is that person a person that you can influence for the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that a person that you, you just might be the person that can share the gospel with them and cause them to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth, to repent of their sins and give them an eternal destiny, head to heaven with Jesus? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your voice. Maybe it's your mannerism. Maybe it's the way you live your life. Maybe it's your testimony that's going to change someone. And if not, if if not, out of all the other things that you might want to do in life, remember Mary and Martha, when Jesus talked about one of you very careful about making food, one of you talking about worship, and, you know, there's a more important part here. Yeah, we want to eat, and that's good too, but there's a more important part. And so there's a lot of things you and I do in life, but are we avoiding or not remembering or not focusing on that most important thing? Is that person right with God? Does that person know Jesus? Because when I leave them right now, I don't know. When I leave them right now and I don't see them anymore, I don't know what, what will happen to them. I don't know if it's going to be their last day on earth, or last five minutes on earth. I don't know that when I just pass them in, in a vehicle or, or maybe and they're there and they're gone five minutes later that they're gone in turn. I don't know. I don't know that that is ever going to be the case. Remember the young girl what was about 16 years of age that came here on a Sunday morning and she was saved that Sunday morning. She came down to the altar and she prayed the sinner's prayer and she gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. It was just a few days later, about four days later, that she was killed in an automobile accident. She'd never received Jesus before in her life. That was her first experience with God. And she received him as Lord and Savior. And four days later, she's in eternity. She didn't know that that day. I didn't know it. None of you knew it. None of us said anything about it. No one knew about that. But she made a critical last day of her life decision that changed her destiny. And there are people in our world right now. That's the questions we need to be talking about. I know it's easy to talk about politics and curse this. I'm, I'm not talking about cuss words, but curses and bless and air politics and all this kind of stuff going on. It's so easy to do that. It's easy to talk about the, either the Super Bowl or you know, how many innings they played at the Super Bowl and how many runs they got. Uh, but anyway, it, it's easy to talk about all that kind of stuff and get into different kind of things that are going on like that. But you know what? The most important thing, is that person right with God? Or are they going to make it to heaven? Is heaven going to be the eternal destiny? There ain't no question more important than that one. There's nothing you can do in life that's going to advance the kingdom of God any more than recognize that you're that person that needs to be talking with them. Jesus, he said, I'll make you fishers with men. In the book of Mark, we see right here, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. What if they don't believe it? It doesn't matter, they're a creature. They're a creature. Most people don't believe things until they heard it you know, a few times, and you keep on talking to them, and you keep on teaching them. And you finish, I, I've heard people look at me just ball faced right, right in eyeball to eyeball and say this, I don't believe a word of that. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. That's just absolutely nuts. And then rather than backing down on what they said they didn't believe, I said, well, look here and look here and look here. And see, that same person who had such boldness to say they didn't believe, to see them turn and change and to become a believer. Don't don't give up. Don't quit. Just because the devil offers you a little resistance, don't back up. He's the one that's going to back up, not the body of Christ. It's the devil that's going down, not you and not me. Somebody say amen. amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, a, he's the one that's the loser. We're not the losers. All right, look with me in John chapter 20 and verse 21. Let me show you what Jesus said. Here's what he said about it. In this ministry that he's got, in John 20 and 21, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. You and me have the same mission that Jesus has. Jesus said he came to seek and save sinners that are lost. Jesus said that he was fishers of men. Jesus said, preach the gospel. He said, oh, he was just talking to the twelve. No, he's talking to you. The Bible tells us, Jesus said to them again, Peace I leave it with you. My Father, as He has sent me, even so send I you. You are sent to do the same thing Jesus does. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 12, 13, and 14, and He talks in those particular verses on the name of Jesus, that the works that I do shall He do also, because I'm going to the Father, and greater works than these shall you do. We are to do the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are workers of God. You know why? You're in this church, and all of us have different responsibilities and different parts in in the kingdom of God that God wants us to do, but every one of us are called to be a soul winner. Every one of us are called to reach out and tell people about Jesus. Not a one of us should go through our lives thinking that that's somebody else's job. Well, we pay the pastor to do that. No, you don't. You don't pay the pastor. No. Well, we pay somebody. No, 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 no. You can't pay somebody else to do what God has required of you. And me, all of us together. We're all in this thing together. Notice what happened in John 20, verse 21. The Father sent me, even so I send you. Look how it plays out. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. For what you're about to do, you need the Holy Ghost. Go out and the same thing that God's called me to do, i will call you to do the same thing. Go out and do it just like Jesus. Now, breathe on them and receive the Holy Ghost. Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus himself was baptized with the Holy Spirit in the river Jordan with John. The Bible tells us. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 how that God anointed Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good for God was with him. And so this power that's on Jesus, Jesus says, you get that power on you. You go ahead and receive. Receive. Everybody say, I receive. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now then, what, what, what for? Why do not we need to receive the Holy Ghost? To so dance on a piano and shout and run down the aisles? We might do that a time or two. That's really not the Holy Ghost. That's just our reaction. But, you know, not all of that. What does it say? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be, somebody say it? What was it? Witness. Witnesses. The Holy Ghost empowers you to witness. And, and so when, when we leave this church in a little bit and you're going out and about and you're going to see different people, why not? Why not say, Father God, I'm about to see people who have an eternal destiny. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord God, I thank you. I'm your child. I receive the Holy Spirit. I receive the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. And help me to speak with someone else about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit always talks about Jesus. He doesn't speak of himself or me or you or how great any of us are. We're not. He always talks about Jesus. So Holy Spirit, just use me to minister to one. Holy Spirit, point me in the right direction. Lead me in the right way. Give me a word to say. Give me a testimony that I might share with somebody about Jesus. Because that's why the Holy Spirit has come into our lives. He does a lot of good things for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about those wonderful nine gifts of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, he talks about those nine fruit of the Spirit. He does a lot of things in our life. But he's there to help us witness and spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stretch your hands toward the heavens. Stretch your hand. Come on, everybody in the house. Stretch. Say, Father God. Everybody say it with me together. Say, Father God. I yield to you. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Let me be an empowered witness of God in Jesus name. Jesus name Jesus name he has come to witness look at Luke chapter 14 everybody turn to that, Luke chapter 14 verse 23 in Luke 14 23 the Bible tells us that the Lord was given this banquet and he gives us a parable and he gives us His account and he tells them when the house is not full he says go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be filled Notice where he said go, into the highways and hedges. Be careful, you find all kinds of things in the highways and hedges. But all kinds of things need to be in the house of God, amen? amen? Absolutely. Somebody said, am I welcome at church? Absolutely, everybody's welcome at church. But you don't know what kind of sinner I am. It don't matter, you're welcome. All sinners are welcome at the church. Somebody say amen. amen. All sinners are welcome. Amen. Say, have you ever told a sinner I had to leave? One time. When was that? What was happening? Well, this was a sinner a, a man. This was many years ago, and it came to our knowledge uh, that this particular man was uh, uh, trying to make advances toward young men in the church, and they told about it, and we confronted him and told him, you need to get right with God. You need to get saved, but other than that, you need to get out if you're not going to get saved, because I'm not going to have you here I'm trying to hit on our young men in our church. Everybody say amen. amen. But all sinners are welcome that want to come and want to repent and want to receive Jesus or just want to listen until they do. All sinners are welcome. Everybody say amen. amen. Absolutely. Everybody's welcome. They're, they are all welcome. Now notice it compel them to come in. Compel comes that Greek word means necessity. Tell them how necessary it is. You, you just got to get in church. You, you have just... I had a great testimony just a few weeks ago. I was uh, at the, at the barbershop, and this guy came in. I hadn't seen him in a long time. I had went to school with him, and then right after uh, going to school with him, some several years later, uh, me and a friend of mine, uh, Johnny, Johnny Langston, we were together at that time and uh, doing some work. And uh, we were doing something, and we met him, and we witnessed to him and dare I say, we witnessed to him and badgered to him and beat to him and did everything we could to him, about an hour and a half, really. Just wouldn't let him go. But he never, he never asked the Lord into his heart during that day. But, but when I saw him at the barbershop just a few weeks ago, he had accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. See, we were just one of the sowers, we were just one of the planners into his life. Somebody else could have planned and sowed too, and that's wonderful. But you don't know what effect your witness will have on somebody. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. The Lord tarries maybe next year. But you and I, it's our obligation to sow into their life and compel them. Listen, you have just got to get right with God. Uh, In October of 1975, when I was born again on a Sunday morning in my home, in my house on that Sunday morning, I'd been going to church all of my life, but I had never been saved. And I was 20 years of age. And when I, for the last couple of weeks prior to that time, I've been listening to a certain minister, and what he's saying really convicted my heart and convicted my life. And that morning, when I woke up in my bedroom... All I can say is God's presence was in the room and all I could do was say, God, I'm sorry I've been the biggest fool in the world for not following you and not serving you. If I, if I get everything in the world I want, if I become the greatest you know, magician uh, ever, if, if I travel in all kind of rock bands, if I am the greatest accountant, and whatever Deloitte, Haskins and Sales, what, if, if I'm the greatest accountant I've ever been, all these kind of things, what will it matter if I die and go into all eternity and be in hell for the rest of my life? None of that will matter. And so, Lord God, I've been the biggest fool of all of my life. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Come to my life and forgive me my sins. That's what I said on that Sunday morning. The next thing I did, the next thing I did, when I looked over and I saw my girlfriend Sheila, I saw my wife, 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 I saw my wife sitting by me, right next, close to me. I said, I can't go without her. Now I'm going, but so she's going to have to make the change because I'm not not going. I woke her up and led her to the Lord, received Jesus Christ right there, both of us on our knees beside of our bed at that time. Both 20 years of age at that time when it took place. I, I told her, I said, you got to get saved. I can't go without you. I'm not going to leave you here. I'm not going to let you go to hell and me go to heaven. That can't happen. You've got to get right with God. You've got to. It's a necessity that you do. And we both came to God. Some of us need to have that kind of attitude in our life about people that we know and our relatives and our friends. Listen, you just got to get saved. I don't want you going to hell. I don't want you spending all eternity. I don't want you to be lost from God forever and have no way out. You've got to receive Jesus. We need to have that urgency in our heart and our life where we compel people to come in. I mean, you know, hey, I'm supposed to be here there. That can wait. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you." Uh, you. You've got to get right with God. Have a necessity about it that there's nothing more important than that, so that someone doesn't die lost without God, and you and I would have had the opportunity to bring them to Jesus. What a sad, what a sad occasion that would be in our life if you had an opportunity. In fact, the Bible speaks to it, my, it's all over. In, in, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3, and also chapter 18, he said, chapter 3, verse 18, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And I warnest him not to flee from his sins or his wicked ways. Then his blood, he'll die lost in his sins. But his blood will I require at your hands. And what a sad thing. What a terribly sad thing in our life. To have an opportunity to witness to someone. And miss that opportunity. And meanwhile they go off into eternity without God. Now they're responsible for their own sin. They're responsible for their own choices. But you and I are also responsible. And I don't want to stand before God with blood on my hands. I want, to, I want to stand before God and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Am I perfect? Am I always made it right? No, I'm not. You're not either. None of, but I want to do my best from the very heart of hearts that I have to please God and do things that are right before Him and, and help people not to make hell their home, but to make heaven their home. Let me read you one last thing, and we're going to close in this passage. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what we got. Here's what we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. How many have been born again today? Say amen if you have. Amen. Then you are a new creature. What happened to you? Old things passed away. The things you used to want to do, the way you used to want to live, the life that you used to cherish, all passed away. It all passed away. What happened? All things become new. The good thing about all these things that became new is all things are of God. All the new things that came to my life are of God. The old things that were in my life were of the devil. The new things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself? Does anybody besides me recognize, or, I'm sorry, reconcile your bank statement every month? Wow. Nope, nope. A few of us <laughs> do. Okay. I always do it. I reconcile it as soon as I see it pop up on, online and they mail it to me. And uh, then they mail it to me. They ask me all the time, do you want to see this thing online? I say, are you going to give me a discount? They say, no. I said, no, keep mailing it then. Whenever you make it profitable, I'll quit letting you mail it. But until then, keep on mailing it. That's what you're going to do. But I reconcile it. What does that mean? It's you bring the bank balance in line with your balance. And I'll get our checking account. And then we've got two or three that's tied into one the way I do things and And we got their checking account, and I'll balance it up with the check. Sometimes it'll it'll be a little bit off here, a little bit off there, and I'll be looking that maybe I don't have a deposit in there, or they don't have a deposit, or they don't have a check, or I don't have a check, or something's outstanding that wasn't marked outstanding. And i got to reconcile. i got to make them be the same thing. After it's over with, they both have the exact same balance. We reconcile it. Well, when we look right here, the Scripture tells us uh, here that all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. God's made us one with Him. We are reconciled unto God. God got rid of all of my sin. He was made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been reconciled to Him. My sins have been made to let me go. They, they are gone. They are past. I'm not still struggling with sin. The sin question was cured through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Been reconciled unto God, or reconciled the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We all have been committed a word of reconciliation. You have it. I have it. All of us have it. We have a word of reconciliation. Now, now, notice what it says when he goes on down. When he says it now, then, or, or verse nineteen. Well, look at verse eight. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. A ministry. Verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world himself, non imputed trespassing to them, and has given us that same word of reconciliation. Notice verse 18, it's a ministry. Verse 19, it's a word. So it's ministry, something that you say. It's a word that you have. You have a word of reconciliation. Now, verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what you are in the, in the earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. Just recently, I don't know how good of an example this is, but in the last couple of days, you know about the, the, the battle, whether it's going to take place or not, I don't know. But what's going on and happening over in the Ukraine and the Russians and all this kind of stuff. And um, in the last few days, uh, I think Kamala Harris was dispatched uh, to Europe uh, to be an ambassador uh, for Joe Biden, and uh, while well, he's up in uh, wherever he's at, up in uh, Washington, D.C., and now he's there, but she's there representing. And so she's supposed to be taking the word of Biden over there to that. So, what happened over there? That's men and women's viewpoint. That's whatever uh, they work at with. But with God, you and I, we are an ambassador for God. You are a representative of God. Have you ever worked for a company and they, and they want you to put their name on your shirt and you had their name on your shirt? You were representing that company, weren't you? You were doing something for them. You weren't there on your own behalf. You were representing them. And right now, you're down here on the planet Earth and you're really not here on your own behalf. You're here representing God. You are an ambassador. Everybody say, I am an ambassador. Notice, I am an ambassador for Christ. Look how powerful it is. As though God did beseech you by us. It's just as if God is using us and calling you. I'm the one calling you, but it's God doing it through me. He's doing it through you when he calls this world to reconciliation. Notice, we pray you in Christ's stead. In Christ's stead. In other words... Understand this. It's like you and I are are Jesus in the earth. I know I'm not Jesus. I understand he's the Son of God, okay? But at the same time, you and me are Christ. We are Christ in this earth. All this world is ever going to see is what you and I show it. And if we show forth the devil, that's what they see. But if we show forth Jesus, then they see Christ in this earth. And that's who we are called. Notice what we're doing be reconciled to God. World, get right with God. World, you're wrong. Sinner, you're wrong. The person that violates the law and the commands and the word of Almighty God, you are the one that is wrong. You had better get reconciled to God... Because if you don't, you will follow Satan where he is going to the devil's hell. And you will be going there too. Matthew chapter 12, is it verse 40? That tells us that, that hell was made for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't made for people. The Bible tells us that hell hath enlarged itself. Why has it enlarged itself? To take in those people that want to follow the devil to get there. Because its first design wasn't for people. It was designed for the devil himself. And so we're telling people, be reconciled to God. You've got to stop your sinning. Quit your evil ways. Walk away from the things of this world. Lay down your life on the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give Him your everything. Give Him your all. Commit your life unto Him. And live and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ from now on to the rest of your life. That's what you need to do in your life. Not continue to follow the ways of this world. Because if you do, you're going to end up where the devil's going. And he's on his way to hell. I don't want anybody going to hell. How about you? Nobody. I want everybody going to heaven. The question really becomes this. What are we willing to do about it? It's one thing not to want it. It's another thing to say, oh, yeah, we agree with this, and then we are with that. It's another thing to do that. But the next most important thing is to take action about it. I knew a long time about Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps. I knew them a long time. I knew what he taught about debt for a long time. I was an accountant. I understood debt. I knew what he talked about. it, But it took me a while until I finally believed it and acted on it. And when I acted on it, he took me from being in debt. He took me from being in debt to having buku's of money. And he, he took me to that place only after I acted on it. I knew it. The principle was there all the time. But it didn't change till I acted on it. Same way it's true. If we know people need Jesus, if we really believe there is a hell, heaven to gain and a hell to shun, as the old timers used to say, if we really believe that, then do something about it. Everybody say, He, a little bit louder now, come on, He, he is, is talking, talking, to me, talking to me. To me. I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. Every single one of us are ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us are a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer in Jesus' name. Almighty God, mighty God, mighty God, we give you praise, we give you glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is a good God. God is a mighty God. We love you, almighty God. We worship you. We honor you, almighty God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Every head bow, every eye close. Lord God, in Jesus' name. We come before you here reverently today, Lord God, seeking you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and body. We thank you, Father God, that you fill the earth, you fill this house, you fill each one of us that will allow you to be in our lives. Lord God, if there's anyone in this house today that has not received you as Lord of their life or has either received you but sort of walked away or playing around with you, Lord God, not made a faithful commitment to you, I pray that you touch and stir the heart of every individual in this house, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. Anybody here today, you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today? Anybody here today, you want me to pray with you? If you've known the Lord and you've walked away and you want to come back to him, you want to commit your life to the Lord, whatever whatever it is that's going on in your spiritual life today, if things aren't right between you and God, then don't leave this place. Don't leave this place without making things right. And we can do that through the power of prayer and believing God to touch your heart and life. Anybody here today, wave your hand at me. Say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Anywhere in the congregation, anywhere in the congregation. Nick. Come on. Jesus' name. If that's you, that's you, just lift up your hand in Jesus' name. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody, lift up your hand in the whole congregation. Come on, come on. Everybody, lift up your hand. Everybody, lift it up. Lift it up before God. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for my heart and my condition of my heart. I have accepted you as my Lord and Savior. Right now, I believe. Bow my knee unto you, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. But Father God, there are many in my world and my surroundings that do not know you as Lord and Savior. Lord God, I receive the burden of the Lord Jesus Christ for their souls. I receive my responsibility and my part to go after them and to be a fisher of men. And so, Father, I thank you. Right now, I receive the Holy Ghost into my life that empowers me to witness. And in Jesus' name, so that I expect, I believe to win someone to the Lord Jesus in these next few days. In the name of Jesus, I'm a willing vessel, I'm ready, I'm a worker for the Lord, and I will see results. In the name of Jesus. Say this, say, devil, I come against you. In the name of Jesus. You can't have my loved ones. You can't have my friends. You can't have those I work with. You can't have those that I see in my everyday life that the Lord calls me to witness unto. So in Jesus' name, devil, you are bound. Holy Ghost, you are free to use me to reconcile people to God. In the name of Jesus, say this, say, I am a soul winner. Say it again, say, I am a soul winner. Say, I I lead people to Jesus. Say, I am making a difference in the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross, and you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.